Thanks for joining Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast. I'm your host, Corinne. And I'm your host, Brittany. And we work at the National Estuarine Research Reserve, or NEAR, on Sapelo Island, a Georgia barrier island. So today, we'd like to talk a little bit about some of Georgia's wildlife. One of my favorite things about Georgia's coast is that we have incredible access to nature and fairly pristine habitats, such as the Wausau National Wildlife Refuge, Blackbeard National Wildlife Refuge, and Little St. Simons Island. It's amazing to have access to animals like sea turtles, dolphins, deer, birds, and all of our other local wildlife. I completely agree, but have you heard about some of our kind of oddball introduced species? Oh, like Sapelo's chachalacas? Yeah, they're a great example. And just to be clear, we are talking about introduced species, which aren't native to the Georgia coast, but they also aren't displacing natives like invasive species do. Right. They aren't taking over another species niche. We'll do other episodes specifically on invasive species because we have plenty of them and the issues that they cause our ecosystem and taxpayers. No kidding, but these introduced species have become little quirks of the barrier islands, like our species, the plain chachalacas. Not to be confused with the boom chachalacas. <laughs> right. The plain chachalacas are a type of game bird or fowl that you might describe as a long-tailed tropical chicken that lives in the trees. They are native to the southern tip of Texas and eastern Central America. They're a brownish-gray bird that likes to eat flowers, buds, fruits, and insects. Now, you may be wondering how they got to Sapelo, and like many introduced species, they were brought over by the people who lived here. A man named Howard Coffin imported some chachalacas from Mexico in the early 1920s. He brought them because he wanted to bring another game bird to the islands when he brought people like Presidents Herbert Hoover and Calvin Coolidge out to hunt. Howard Coffin was actually the second consolidated landowner on Sapelo, and he stayed here in what we now call the Reynolds Mansion. He owned the majority of Sapelo from about 1912 to 1934 and loved to bring fairly famous people out to the island to hunt turkey, hogs, and deer. When he brought the chachalacas out, they took to our oak trees pretty well, and we likely had 30 to 40 birds at one time. So, have you actually spotted any chachalacas? No, and I have looked. You're more likely to hear them than see them, so we've played their beautiful call to try to lure them out with no luck. How about you? Nope, no chachalacas, but I have seen our other introduced species, the Brangus cattle. Well, at least on game cameras across the island. They can be pretty tricky to find. They are! The feral cattle on Sapelo are likely descendants of dairy cows and bulls that R.J. Reynolds Jr. released sometime during his time of owning most of Sapelo between 1934 and his death in 1964. The Brangus cattle breed is a hybrid of Angus and Brahmin cattle. You aren't very likely to see Sapelo's cows on a day trip, though, but you can probably find some signs of them, like the many, many, many piles of dung around our office at Long Tabby. Yeah, they tend to leave droppings just about anywhere. The cows have kind of returned to their behavior of their ancient ancestors of being very cryptic and hiding in the forests during the day, particularly on the north end of the island. Every once in a while, we'll hear, smell, or see them, but they'll usually take off once they realize people are nearby. A couple of Georgia's other barrier islands have some interesting introduced hoofstock as well. A lot of people have heard about Cumberland's wild horses. 
The National Seashore isn't sure about when exactly these horses became feral, because horses have been on the island likely since the 1500s, with different owners claiming they were free-ranging livestock. Today, there are somewhere between 100 and 200 feral horses on Cumberland. Now, I think horses are great, but these are definitely ones you don't want to get too close to. The feral animals were once domesticated, but today, Cumberland's horses are very likely to kick or bite anyone that is too close. That's right. If you make it over to Cumberland, make sure to give the horses plenty of space, at least 50 feet. These horses are pretty destructive as well to the natural habitats around Cumberland due to how much vegetation they eat. But currently, the National Park Service does not manage the population of horses in any way. We do have some managed populations of introduced animals on other islands, though. We actually have some ring-tailed lemurs on St. Catherine's Island. St. Cat's is a private island run by the St. Catherine's Island Foundation. This island once hosted the Wildlife Survival Center, which was a project run through the Bronx Zoo in New York. This project studied animals such as hartebeests, zebras, gazelles, birds, and lemurs to learn more about their habits in the wild, to increase success in breeding, and see how herds of hoofstock behave. The project ran for about 30 years on St. Cats and reached their goals back in 2004. They moved most of their studied animals off the island, but there are still a few lemurs hanging out in the live oak trees around the island. Staff care for the lemurs, including providing food and shelter. Remember that lemurs are native to Madagascar, so it's pretty unique to see their long black and white tails in the trees. The lemurs are definitely a surprising species to find on our coast. The island just north of St. Catharines has a couple of interesting species too. Asabal actually has Sicilian donkeys wandering around. The Asabal donkeys started their coastal lives on an island in South Carolina, where they were brought there from Sicily back in the 1940s by a man named Porter Crossley. When he passed away, he carefully selected who would care for those animals he brought in. One of those people was Sandy Tory West, the last member of the Tory West family that owned Asaba before selling the island to the state in 1978. And since the donkeys are exotics, the state took most of them off the island to prevent the herd from getting too large and damaging the ecosystems. Only a few still live on the island today. Now, we of course can't miss talking about the most unique animal in our waterways, can we? Oh no, here we go. The Altamahaha, our Georgia sea serpent that has supposedly a sturgeon-like body and snout of a crocodile. Alti, as we affectionately call him, is described as around 20 or 30 feet long. Sure, except he's not real. You can't prove that he actually exists. Well, not with that attitude, you can't. <sighs> We've talked about plenty of cool introduced species to see, and we have tons of native species to see, even if you don't look for the Altamahaha. Well, if you are near Wolf Island at the mouth of the Altamaha, be on the lookout. Sightings are reported often around Darien, especially in McIntosh County. According to the Brunswick News, the legend has its root in Muskegon tradition. Yes, but an alligator gar has been proposed as being a possible identity for recent sightings attributed to the creature. And in 2018, decomposing remains were found on a beach in the Wolf Island National Wildlife Refuge, causing speculation that it may be the body of an Altamahaha. However, performance artist Zardulu later claimed responsibility for the remains, which were created out of a stuffed shark and paper mache. Well, nature inspires art all the time. Just saying. Okay. 
Time for a listener question. This one comes to us from Armando in Camden County. I heard there was a red-footed booby spotted on St. Simon's Island. Is that true? Yes. In 2015, there was an incidental sighting on St. Simon's Island of the rare tropical bird, the red-footed booby. These boobies are very distinct-looking birds with bright red feet, but the color of their plumage can vary. They are powerful and agile flyers, but they're pretty clumsy in takeoffs and landings. They are found widely in the tropics and breed in coastal regions, especially around Indonesia and Malaysia, the Hawaiian Islands, and many of the Caribbean Islands. It was the first time the bird species had ever been spotted in Georgia. It was so unusual, it made the news. That's right, I remember reading about it. They attributed the sighting to Hurricane Joaquin, which had blown the bird off course. According to historical data, the furthest north the species had ever been spotted was a rare glimpse in Tampa. So traveling all the way to the Golden Isles meant this bird was very lost. There was a steady stream of birders who alerted the DNR biologists to the bird. And typically, when it's something this unusual, they take these sightings with a grain of salt. <coughs> Ivory build woodpeckers. <coughs> exactly. Sightings for unusual birds, or extinct birds in some cases, uh, tend to be very unrealistic and usually turn out to be misidentifications. But this sighting was very real. So, Brittany, why did the bird watchers go to the construction site? I don't know. Why? Because they really wanted to see a crane. <laughs> okay, bird nerd. I got one for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? A woodpecker, of course. And you call yourself a birder. Wow. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> for more information about any of the topics we covered today, or to submit your question that may be featured in our upcoming episodes, please email us at signer.socials at gmail.com. That's S-I-N-E-R-R dot socials at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast brought to you by the Sapelo Island National Estuarine Research Reserve. Please check back for more episodes released on the 1st and the 15th of each month. And that's the Sapelo Sound.